All right, Hunter, we got some we got some Super Nintendo stuff to talk about today, but it just feels like we got to very first thing. You did a very fun stream recently where, okay, the goal was to play every single Dreamcast game. We don't have to talk about all of that. We, we you know, whatever. You didn't get to yeah, all of them. Yeah, we can. No, we sure, can. We could talk about all of it. You, you got through H, right? You got A through H done. Yeah. Of I got the a Dreamcast library. You got to do more. What I would like from you, and we can you can talk more about like your plans for doing the stream future, but very specifically, I would love to hear from you your top three Dreamcast games you've never played that you now have to get around to. What's what oh what's the God. biggest hits so far, A through okay. H? What what what's gotta make it onto our list in the relatively new future? You know, what what's coming up that we need to do? Yeah, okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is a game called Coaster Works. Now, this game is actually probably bad. Sure. But, it is so it's very, very strange. Um, it's a game about building a roller coaster, mm-hmm. um, and then that's it. You just build a roller coaster, and then the roller coaster gets used or tested or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you're judged based off, like, how well you did. Um, and going into it, I was like, oh, this must be, like, a roller coaster tycoon type ripoff type yeah. game, like a simulation-y type thing. And it is a sim type game game yeah but what's very weird about it is uh once you hit the tutorial uh the 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 announcer for the tutorial is very very concerned that you might get freaked out (laughs) and uses a tone of like everything's all right yeah you're really smart and you're a good person and i love you (laughs) and you're going to figure this out and at first i was like why are they acting like this Uh and then you get loaded into the actual game part (laughs) where you're doing the building the roller coasters and no joke it's like it looks like 90s like design yeah. software. Yeah. They're like, like you can like do this like. anyways. Here's your structural engineering software. Yeah. <laughs> you know when you watch like an old featurette for like early CG, like yeah. you're watching like CG artists making stuff for like Terminator 2 <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, the tools suck." Mm-hmm. And here and you look at it and you're like, "Oh my god, I don't understand how." That's what Coasterworks looks like. Yeah. Um and then you build it Okay, and and building it is actually pretty simple mm-hmm. as far as like it feels fine to do, and then you test it, and that's where the real magic happens. <laughs> they have you you're you put get put in a first person camera in an environment on the roller coaster that you've built in the design software type environment, but now you're in like a more real realistic environment, right? And they have simulated screams, but also there's like physics and gravity involved somewhat, or at least it's somewhat calculated as far as your angles for your coaster. And I did it wrong. My angle for a turn was too tight. I didn't even think it mattered. I was like, I don't even think, I'm not even sure this is a real game. And the coaster went off and they died and screamed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and all you got, all you got was an on-text screen that just said, too fast. So that's a game I want to play more. Now, I don't know how much meat there is on the bone of that game because I only got to play it for about five minutes. Uh, But it was very interesting and I'd never heard of it. And I just thought the attitude of the whole thing was just so at odds with any type of execution I'd seen for a game like that. I loved Roller Coaster Tycoon growing up. And then my cousin Kimmy, two-time guest on this show, I, I don't know if she would remember this or not, but she and I had a, a Roller Coaster Tycoon spinoff for PC that when you booted up Coaster Works, I was like, this is like the same game. So there clearly was a yeah. wave of the roller coaster stuff 
during that era of games. So yeah, okay, yeah. Coaster Works up there on the list. You got you got two others. Yeah, uh, I got two others. So the next one I want to talk about is called Blue Stinger. Um, this is like an action adventure survival horror ish game. Mm. Um, really feel has very awkward animation <laughs> and very awkward voice acting. And one of the characters you play as is called Dogs Bowser. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you really need to know more than that. It's sort of like the, I would say not it Doug Bowser, some, not new Nintendo of America no. president. Dogs, Dogs. Bowser. <laughs> I believe it's Captain Dogs Bowser. <laughs> um, very cool game. I I had I didn't recognize it at first, but I realized after I played it that I'd actually heard of it before. Mm. It's a game that I hear uh, get referenced a lot on insert credit, actually. Oh, okay. um, but I just hadn't connect because you know you hear those guys say talk about all kinds of goofy right. weird games, sure. um, and then you don't you know connect it to the actual real real world experience of playing with that game anyways uh it looks great it has kind of a resident evil vibe uh has kind of a raw danger vibe even mm. um and it's probably good i'm not really sure it might suck yeah. um there it has a dinosaur thing going on with it uh mm. and an alien cyberpunk thing going on with it so <laughs> that's I don't a lot know. of things at once that's a lot of things it is <laughs> um Let's see. What else do I want to... Actually, okay, this is something I want to talk about because this is a game I want to play with you. Yes. Um, this game is trash, by the way, before oh, okay. I even bring it... like Before I even get into it. Oh, interesting. This game is real trashy. Um, but there's this game that I was expecting to be nothing called Heavy Metal colon Geomatrix. <laughs> Heavy Metal Geomatrix is a 3D fighting game with, like, weapons... Um, and it, mostly like guns and stuff. And the characters you play as are kind of twisted metal s. Oh no, they're like, like in like crazy with, latex suits and stuff. Yeah, they're they're real wild. Uh, the <laughs> characters. Uh, and all the music is like like Judas Priest. Wait, is uh, this it, is this heavy metal like the movie? Oh, is it based off heavy metal? It makes sense that it would be actually. It, it they're either the ripping of, it or they're doing it because it looks the art the the logo art looks. Uh, especially similar to it, but yeah, Megadeth, Dust of yeah. Dust, Corrosion of Conformity, all these. This might be this. This is I don't know. It feels like in the style of the heavy metal movies, but who knows? Yeah, I think I think it is uh, set in the heavy metal universe. Actually, I'm looking at the Wikipedia now, and that actually does make a lot of sense. But um, it is like I don't know how to describe it. It's a very wacky, like kind of almost Super Smash Brothers esque multiplayer game and wow. i think you can play with up to four players mm. um and it feels like uh i don't know yeah it definitely it's like smash brothers with like heavy metal and like guns it looks like um, over the shoulder or like you know it's like a third person camera it looks over the shoulder power stone to me a mm. little bit with wet with more yeah weapons. sure that that would be another uh another comparison point there would be something like power stone so um, that's wild. a little i guess that's a little more relevant to the platform but yeah <laughs> it's 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 very, uh, it was really fun. It looked really stupid. Um, and so that was like kind of a nice surprise. Yeah. But I have a handful of other other games that, I mean, I got like, I yeah. think I played many, I, had, I played like 70 something games. And I would say about 10 of them were like, I'm going to come back to these. A lot right. of them, a lot of the good ones I'd already played. So relax. I'm not saying the Dreamcast is bad. I'm not going to replay Crazy Taxi. Sure. I don't need to play more Crazy Taxi, right. really. Right. Um, but there were a handful of things that I had either always wanted to play or things I just never heard of um, that I am excited to dip more into. 
Well, cool. Well, and then, like we said, you only got to H, so I guess the assumption is you will try this more in the future to eventually get through the entire library. On no particular schedule, though. Yeah. At some point, I will do another stream where we will play more of the Dreamcast library. Um, I'm hoping to... My, my goal is to, you know, be done uh, over the next couple months so that I can do this with uh, perhaps the GameCube yeah. or the N64 or something with a smaller yeah. library. And then and then some year or so, I'll be like, all right, I am going to play every single PlayStation game yeah. for a little while. And that will take two or three years yeah. on its own. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, uh, this is my goal. Who have at least touched every game. Well, then let's uh, let's let's actually do an episode then, real quick. How about that? Yeah. How about we have one? <laughs> let's go. And welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac. I'm Matt Martins with my co-host Hunter Donaldson. Yeah. Hey, it's me. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy I New hope, Year. I uh, hope you had a good one. I hope you popped some champagne or Whee. or whatever, whatever you do. Yeah. I hope you popped your alcoholic or non-alcoholic champagne mm-hmm. of sorts. Mm-hmm. Which of those two? I'm I'm a person that that drinks alcohol occasionally. Sure. Of those two varieties, I just want to say non-alcoholic champagne-like yeah. stuff. Vastly superior to yeah. actual champagne. <laughs> Absolutely, I will. I will take Welch's over sparkling uh, grape Spumante juice every time. <laughs> is better than champagne. Yeah. I I I am not insecure enough. Yeah. To 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 you know shark <laughs> to, to get away from that one. I almost yeah. said shark away from that sure. one. Sure. Uh, this is of course the uh, definitive ranking of all video games every week at a time, and uh, we had sort of a week off last week and in the excitement of doing our awards ceremony with ej we forgot some very important business we've fully intended to do last week and now need to do at the top of this episode because we're basically already running out of time to get the every wheel entry number two onto our list this is a game we need to play before the end of our 2001 a game odyssey season which should end somewhere in like march we stop recording in like february or something like that it's it's, we're, it's, we're, it's, it's like closing the end up. of february it's like the end of february is when we stop recording and then i think the last episode is the first week of march so yeah. we we are on it's it's gonna be tight so i'll say this about the every wheel there's a lot of chunky big games on the every wheel and if one of those chunky big ones gets picked yeah we are in trouble yeah so we will see <laughs> there is some you know there's a bit of drama this time yeah um, yeah there's stakes so yeah. for this game this game there's has to do some stakes. specific things <laughs> yeah please. And like hunter's literally also trying to play all of final fantasy 10 at the moment i was gonna try yeah. to play i'm gonna try to play at least a little bit of final fantasy 10 before that episode but there's no way i'm playing all of it basically is what's been decided already for for this for the end of this season I'm going to get a taste of 10, but I don't know that I'm doing all of 10 uh, for, yeah. for the show. So, uh, without further ado then, Hunter, I've got a wheel sitting here in front of me. I've got loads of games on it, and uh, it's time for our second ever spin of the Every Wheel. Are you ready? Ooh, this is exciting. So, on this wheel currently, I'm looking at 67 entries. Now, some of those are duplicates, of course, but I've put for every duplicate, it's on there as many times as it has been written in. I've copied the entirety of our every wheel, but there are 68 total people with options on the wheel, which means it is time 
to get a spinning. Okay, here we go. Wow, the wheel is really chugging. The wheel does not like how many entries there are. Ooh! It is... To the moon. To the moon is the winner. I don't even know what that is. This is a story game. Okay, I'll say this much. This fits right in with the amount of time we have. This is a, wow. this is a little adventure game. This is just wow. a small little modern day set. I mean, it's 2011. This is just like a little sad indie game is what it looks okay. like to me. Uh, okay, sad indie game. That's weird. So who put this on the list? Who do we who do we get to thank for this one? This was brought to us by Dead Bob. Dead Bob, Dead hello. Bob. Okay, cool. I'm excited. Okay, to the moon. I, I knew about... So there's a game called Moon, yeah. which is a JRPG. Um, but I had never, never heard of To the Moon. So this is this. I have seen be this cool. artwork before. I might, oh, I might literally I own this. this game. I might have this. It's probably one of those games you just get in a pack of like a million. Get you know, like right. Yeah, I own this, or one of us owns this. Cool, yeah. cool. Well, that's that's a good deal. It's well, literally a picture of a, of an old man dying in a bed, uh, and and a rocket shooting off to the moon. So let's cry, Hunter. Do you want to cry with me while we play this game right at the I end of the season? I would love. I would love nothing more than to cry. Um, so congratulations to Dead Bob uh, and congratulations to To The Moon because we're going to yeah. play you and we're going we're gonna to rank you. We're going to disgrace you by being like taking this beautiful piece sure. of art and being like, but how much better is it yeah. than Raw Danger? I don't know. I mean, let's compare. Yeah, in Raw Danger, you can take the chef hat. Dead Bob, if you can hit hit us up on the Discord, uh, we would love a little sort of uh, what we got from Geo Morgski last time. Give us a little treatise on uh, why you picked this game. I would love your introduction to this game and why you thought it was a good fit. Obviously, it's got hey, it's got indie darling vibes all over it. So I know that's in part the reason, but I would love to hear why this was pitched. Uh, so congratulations, cool. uh, Dead Bob, and congratulations to the moon. Oh, and also one more thing before we get to the episode proper, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that on January 8th, we are doing uh, a kickoff stream for our first of hopefully many <laughs> Electronic Gamers Club games. <laughs> what is that, Hunter? <laughs> so here, I'll explain what that is. So uh, if you are on the OGA Discord, or if you're not and you want to participate, you can just join the OGA Discord. There will be a special channel called Electronic Gamers Club Number One, which is uh, we had a, a very informal vote on which game it would be. Uh, it is Hollow Knight. So what's going to happen is so we are all going to play Hollow Knight so at mad. the same time and talk about it. We're going to share screenshots. We're going to just talk about how the game is and kind of be playing. And it. Matt's not invited. <laughs> Matt is invited, but Matt doesn't want to play it. So Matt won't be. I don't have time. I I genuinely want to play Matt it, but it's not a game not. on our list. And I don't have, unless we just decide right now that it's in season two, uh, no. then yeah, and no. it's not. So I don't know when I'm gonna, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Um, it's not something that we're going to talk about on the show, although I might give updates on the show as far as like where I'm at in the playing mm. of it. I am only going to play it like one day a week, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to dedicate some time to it. So it's not like I'm going to be speed running through the game. You, you all will probably get through the game faster than I will, but it will be fun because I will kind of update you all in the thread as far as where I'm at. Sure. And what's going on with my playthrough. And hopefully you will also talk to me about how your playthrough is going. And also it's important for us all that are looking forward to, you know, the sequel that might be hopefully coming out this year, Hollow Knight Silk Song, mm -hmm. uh, to replay the original game and just kind of refresh how beautiful it is 
in our memories. Yeah. Um, and Matt, someday, of course, we'll do this game on the show. And at yeah. least when we do it, I'll be like, I don't even need to replay it because I right. already played it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun to treat some old game like it's a new release, too. To just suddenly be yeah. like, this game just came out and we're all playing it at the same time. And let's get let's get that Elden Ring energy going for yeah. some other random game or whatever. I think that's a water exciting. cooler thing. That's that's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be fun. Uh, come to our discord and check it out. Hunter. Are you ready to now talk about the game we're actually here to talk about this week? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, fittingly enough, we've gotten well into this episode without discussing it at all, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Because there won't be a lot. There's not really a whole lot to say uh-huh. um, about F-Zero, yes. the game that we are talking about today. It is super. This is an off-topic yeah, it is. game. This is not a 2001 game. This came out in the Super Nintendo in 1990. This is one of my picks for Off Topic yeah. as well. Um, here's what happened, actually. Okay, I, I would like to tell the story of why this got chosen because it is fitting for then how I feel about this game, of why it was chosen. Um, and and there's, a, there's a moral to this story. So here's, here's my story. Uh, six months ago or whatever, or I mean a long time ago when we were building up the, our respective lists of what we were going to do for 2001 and then we were just sort of i just write down any game that comes to mind i put it on a list and it's like that might be an off-topic game at some point it's way too long it's like a huge list of just stuff i want to play at any old point and what happened was we did our mario kart 64 episode and then we ranked all of the mario kart episodes uh, without actually having played all the mario kart episodes we just sort of like from memory ranked how we felt about all of them and my big memory within that episode was not ever really liking Super Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. And Mm -hmm. and in fact, not really ever liking most 2D racing games. It's even kind of maybe like why I don't fully vibe with OutRun, although like I'm fully willing to admit OutRun is kind of the top of that class of the of the like mock 3D, just the 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 plane. The, all of these racing yeah, games yeah. have that same the only way to do it, basically, at this era. You're not even really moving. Yeah. They're just kind of moving the, the, <laughs> the tile underneath you. you. Yeah. You stay you stay in the same place. Uh so I I got on Nintendo Switch online, uh which has a, a small NES library and a small Super Nintendo library and I played some Mario Kart on there. I was like, I need to refresh my memory on Mario Kart. And it held true that I was like, ah, this just doesn't click with me. I just don't like how it feels. I don't like how it looks. It's not really mm-hmm. my thing. But they got F-Zero on here too. Let me check out F-Zero. I'm just, I'm hanging out. I was like hanging out watching Molly and I played maybe 20 minutes of F-Zero and I just was like, that felt really good. Let's do an episode on that. And very specifically, we were planning out the schedule thinking what's going to be Christmas time stuff while Hunter's in town. And in my naivety, I just picked F-Zero. I was like, F-Zero is the game I want to play. I assume it's a multiplayer game. I assume it plays great on this thing, and it does this, and it does all these things. I I did no research about F-Zero, and I just picked it. (laughs) And so then... When it was time to play it, we scheduled it for Christmas, and then in like the month leading up to Christmas, we both realized that, well, what I thought happened was that you just couldn't play it multiplayer on Nintendo Switch online for some reason. Hunter was like, oh, this thing doesn't work. It doesn't have multiplayer, which I read as, oh, we can't play it on yeah, Super yeah. Nintendo on Nintendo Switch online. No, no, multiplayer. no. That's stupid. Well, I'll go find it. I tracked down a copy of F-Zero. I have a SNES copy. I, I have a... I have a CRT sitting right next to me and my F-Zero is in the SNES right now. And uh, I hate to break to you, that also does not have multiplayer. (laughs) Right. 
which is what I meant when I messaged yeah, I know. you that. You did. I just went. I you know I I like to get ahead on the research. Sure. You know I like to look up the games ahead of time, kind of zoom out and yep. see what's in the horizon. And when I was looking at F Zero, I was like, we our plan for this game mm -hmm. does not work at all. Yep. I had never I played F Zero when I got the Super Nintendo Classic, that little mini console they made. It was yeah. the first time I ever touched F Zero on the Super Nintendo. Um, and I played it and was like, this seems all right. And then didn't really think about it. And that's all my history is with this game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been fun. It's been more fun to learn about. Yes. And it really was to play for me. Yeah. I wouldn't really say the playing was a very ex essential experience. Um, F-Zero to me is a cool historical point for racing games. It's yeah. kind of a, on the lineage. It's like there's the blip. F-Zero. And what's ironic, too, is I actually feel like F-Zero Super Nintendo is more important than the other F-Zero games. Yeah. However, I don't want to play it again, and I'm only interested in the other F-Zero yes. games. Yeah. Like, the other F-Zero games are way more interesting to me to actually play. For sure. Um, they're just not that important. They like get way wilder. wilder. They get way weirder. Um, so... This was uh, one of the first games to use the engine mode seven, which is f at least for the SNES, the engine of their like we're trying to emulate 3D environments games. So this is this is historically in that realm of like, hey, this is early, early stuff with regards to the Super Nintendo at the very least. And I wish I had done that kind of research before uh, picking this or anything. And what I learned along the way, similar to like what Hunter's saying, is the researching of it is more fun. And and the lesson I learned, and I think what I'm going to talk a bunch about today, is when you go back to play older games like this, I think mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. You, it's It's like a requirement of you that you check those things out and you look into the history of them because, and, and not even just like, oh, you have to look into the development. Like you need to find a way to emulate the process of how people got this game in that time period. The, big, the biggest example of this is like, look up the manual with SNES games, with old games like this. We talked about this like with Killer Instinct and we've talked about it a few times, but like to play F-Zero, I kind of think you have to pull up the manual <laughs> and learn the game that way. And also though, very specifically with F-Zero, most of the character of F-Zero and the cool stuff about F-Zero is in its manual, not the game itself. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the game has almost no character in it. Um, there is the, the like, actual, you know, tracks that you race on, which are basically, there's kind of nothing to them. Yeah. There's the backgrounds that are really interesting, uh, and we'll have little things like there'll be like a giant skull yeah. thing <laughs> in the back. It, it suggests a lot mm -hmm. um, with the colors and the music. Um, and I guess the design of the race cars, but there's just so, there's so little yeah, there. Right. Um, and, but what's, what's there is interesting and what's there is even interesting compared to racing games of the day. Yeah. I mean, F zero itself is a reference to obviously F one formula one yeah. racing of which there were many formula one racing games, like before they made F zero and F zero definitely seems to be a response to those games um yeah. you have like pole position by namco mm -hmm. um and then i think uh i was looking up there's like an f1 game that uh hal uh of uh super smash brothers fame made that i think iwata even worked on um that i think is just called like f1 racer or just like it's very 
very generically that. Um, and then Nintendo even makes a motorcycle game called Mock Rider for the NES um, that is really actually very similar to F-Zero, but has a lot more content to it, ironically. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as impressive, obviously. It's on the NES, but it has like a level editor and like like there's like 20 levels in it. Um, which is more than F-Zero. F-Zero has like 15 levels and actually yeah. reuses the tile sets like yeah. over and over. So there's really only like, you know, like four-ish levels, four or five actually tiles. And then they kind of like just remix the tracks a yeah. little bit, which is, I would say, ultimately kind of disappointing in 2023, which is the current year, um, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> so F-Zero ships, right, as, uh, as the one of the... The launch titles it's one of two it's one of two literally it and super mario super mario came with the console and if you wanted more than that in japan on release you had to go right. buy f-zero and that was it <laughs> yeah overall i feel like this game it makes sense and i think if you were there which we weren't this is important to note we're talking this is a 1990 game so i am just born uh matt is just born we are little babies yeah so we weren't there right. when f-zero was a thing and I, I think the whole point of our show is to cater to specifically people exactly our age and annoy <laughs> people who are older than us right. by just being like, F-Zero, I don't, I mean, I just had a day with it. Yeah. And then that was, I didn't really have anything else to do. Um, I got through all the courses and then that was it. Well, especially because of the lack of multiplayer. It's wild too, because it's like you had Super Mario World, which doesn't have multiplayer, it has swap controllers right but like the super nintendo is shipping with two controller ports and at least at launch we have nothing that uses that and like f-zero is literally a racing game it's it's sort of wild that this was not a multiplayer game because i but i will say it would be pretty wild as a racing game um we can talk uh, we can start getting into like the actual gameplay of it and how it feels uh because it's fast. It's a. It's like the whole point of the game is fast, and that's the thing that they lean into more and more and more <laughs> with each entry. By the time you get to the GameCube game, it's like, I don't know. Go, go watch a speed run of F Zero GX. Um, in fact, I tried to look up speed runs of F Zero. They haven't done it since 2015 at uh, GDQ. Nobody cares about this game. Basically, this is this is the forgotten child of the F Zero franchise because it's not doing any of the interesting things that they later develop. Um, because this game is just it's just a fast. 2d plane racing game and for me the big annoyance with that is because it's fast the amount of screen space they have to dedicate to being able to see how much course is coming up ahead of you is so much mm -hmm. that hunter talked about the backdrop the stuff in the background that makes up like literally a small little sliver at the very very top of your screen yeah you get so yeah. little character and and the rest of the courses themselves it's not like um you know, in Outrun, you're driving past things. You're driving under little archways. Yeah. Like, the texture of the world passes you. And in F-Zero, right. your track is just, like, a gray texture map. And then there's, like, ugly bits where it's like, oh, that's, like, the dirt. Don't hit that stuff. And then there's, like, glowing orbs as the barrier of the course. And, that, like, right. that's it. It's all purely sort of just suggestive road. There is no other character to it besides the colors. I love the colors. It Like, it actually is still pretty despite all of that but it's incredibly simple uh with what it's sort of offering you so yeah as you play it you sort of just get tired of the levels after a, a while except for the i mean we'll talk about the music later you don't get tired of the music but uh you do get tired of just the actual playing of the levels and it's also that thing that i hate uh with this era 
of 2D racing games, which is like, there's one course in particular that is like really egregious where it's like a direct right angle turn, <laughs> or in some cases, like a perfect right angle turn followed by another perfect right angle turn. These are like the only ways you could like make difficult moves in this era of mm-hmm. racing game. There's just not enough other options on the plate. So it's just like, oh, here's a, just a ridiculous turn that you have to just sort of sharply do. Um, but the other mechanical stuff going on here outside of just that racing, there are some options that I got really into the more I was playing it. You can hit the trigger buttons to sort of, you're on you're on an air car. You're like a hover car. And when you hit the triggers, your car leans into it that way and kind of does yeah. like a little turn. So you can emphasize a turn by like turning right and leaning right at the same time or whatever. You know, you turn left and you hit right. Uh, you have a brake and then you have a boost, which you only get the boost once per lap. At the end of a lap, you are granted a boost and you can use that. Right. So then, you know, similar to like later entry, later Mario Kart entries on their like track timers, you know, you race your own best time, you get three boosts or whatever. So it's like you got to find out where in each lap to use your one boost or whatever for the best possible time. That F-Zero has that sort of ingrained into it of just like after the first lap, which sucks, Genesis is not as fun until you get the boost uh, and then you boost. And then the last thing I'll say about just mechanically what's happening in F-Zero is uh, because the courses are quite simple and you're just dodging, you're just turning hard corners. There's a few obstacles on the maps, but the biggest obstacle are other cars. You're only racing like a handful of cars. But there's also just cars on the road. It's as if you're doing this race like on the open streets of the F-Zero world or whatever. There's just other people driving around. And those become the main obstacles. And for me, I don't know how you feel, Hunter. Boy, I hate how it feels to crash in F-Zero. <laughs> you, you, it's a pinball machine when you uh, crash yeah. into anything. You just fly against the walls and bounce off other cars and you just get launched all over the place and you like have to just slam on the brake to try to reset. Uh, it, it's, it's a disgusting feeling. <laughs> yeah, you can get pretty pinballed around. Um, I actually do like that aspect of F-Zero because it's kind of what gives it a little more texture is the idea mm. that you have like a health bar. Yeah. Yes. Um, and if that health bar exhausts and you also get to repair a little bit, I love that the yeah. kind of play off the, um, the stop. idea of the pit stop. Yeah. Is every lap you can, you can drive through this special lane that heals your car a little bit. Doesn't heal it all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it's sort of an endurance thing of like, okay, how much damage am I taking each lap? Am I going to be able to actually last through the whole thing? Right. I mean, how well do I need to actually learn the track? Most tracks, you don't actually have to learn that well. You can make mm-hmm. plenty of mistakes and still, you know, make it through okay. But yeah, I like I like the health bar aspect. The the ping-ponging around, the, the pinball-esque aspect of the crashing, it can be frustrating, but also, like, because there's so few opponents... Yeah. The game is kind of, it's rarely tense as a racing game, which mm-hmm. is kind of a problem for me. Um, I feel like it doesn't, there's not enough, I either win a race or I just mess up and lose. Yeah. Uh, and that feels like a very kind of binary outcome type thing. Um, I can understand being excited, like have, like the texture of playing it, feeling really good to someone, especially someone that played it back in the day and their nostalgia mm-hmm. kind of helping carry them through. But for someone playing it now, it fails to be like hangoutable mm-hmm. and also kind of fails to be tense. So yeah. I like I need it to be either more breezy or maybe even more chilled out. Yeah. Or I need it to be more intense. And it definitely art style wise and music wise, it's going for intense. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it just doesn't really feel that way um at this what point. difficulty did you play did you play beginner for your, like your your set run through all of the grand prix stuff oh i didn't even know you could change the difficulty <laughs> so <laughs> i'm yes, learning you did, that right now you did beginner when you pick your your uh course set there's there's knight's cup oh Queen's yeah yeah cup, yeah and there's lower is the difficulty i don't know what i changed it to i did not i did not leave it on there's beginner beginning. standard and then like hard and then you can unlock a master difficulty basically. i think i changed it to standard well how do you unlock master i, I did know. this is more content oh. yeah i don't i don't i don't specifically remember all i know is that's what people play on in the speedrunning community they, they they bump it up to master you might not even have to unlock master but i don't remember seeing master in my thing but regardless i felt it was a little bit more tense i'm i'm not super great at games and what i liked about f-zero is there's just enough uh technical stuff in there that it sort of keeps me interested my issue with super mario kart is like you've got kind of your hop and then it's just like what random items you get and if you if Fair. you spend your time kind of in the lead the items are not very interesting like you just get the bad items over and over again i think this is that's what makes me like really invested in mario kart 8 is there's like how you utilize the the like mini boost and turn you know the, the, there's little things you can do that are these small micro adjustments and that's what I like mm -hmm. from a kind of a I I don't go all the way right like I can't play some crazy technical racing game but I like that medium level it's a kart racer but there's little tricks there's little things you can do and F Zero has right. that F Zero's got I can hit a brake and and hit my little trigger button yeah, to yeah. do a little sharp turn like I get little finesses. And just enough to sort of satisfy me where even when I'm in the lead and it doesn't feel tense because someone's not on me, that's what makes Mario Kart engaging to me. Y'all are always kind of giving me flack for being like better than our friends at Mario Kart 8 and I just spend the whole time in first By place. By the way, we're not, gi we're not giving you flack no, 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 no. by saying that you're good at Mario Kart. The we're the, just the flack is you. The flack is the question of how is it interesting to just be in first place the whole course, right? Why? Why? What makes that um at all interesting and it's those it's having that slight technical thing of like i don't have to fall to second place to know i messed up that turn or whatever right so there's those little micro adjustments that you're doing in a course right. that's still fun to me even if it's like me trying to maintain first place the entire run or whatever so i was i i like f-zero for that i just wish i could play it with other people there's just no social aspect to it and so it's like i'm not gonna I'm not going to go hard on f-zero to like perfect times and watching the speed run is like there's not even that much to like even strive for in perfection of of the yeah. original f-zero it's it's a quite simple game in the end i think it's interesting to talk about racing games in the you know and nintendo because i feel like nintendo has never really been the racing game people mm -hmm. um now because of mario kart's kind of gargantuan proportions it maybe can feel like that to a certain extent but like if you look at the lineage of racing games there are a lot um i feel like there are a lot of people doing it better but F-Zero might be the only time that Nintendo was ahead of the curve, mm -hmm. which is, I think, why it's important in a way. Um, to me, it feels like it's so afraid of Sega. Like, that, <laughs> that to me, feels like what F-Zero is. Yeah. And that's why we don't get new F-Zero games is because we Nintendo doesn't need to be afraid of anyone anymore. Right. Nintendo is much more confident... Um, in what they do and what their strategies are yeah. um, in spite of how I might feel about what they do. Um, <laughs> I feel like F-Zero is them saying like, okay, we have a competitor and they're cool and they do a lot of cool things. Okay, well, guess what? Our next game is F-Zero and the protagonist is basically Judge Dredd <laughs> and all the art 
is like very west i mean like very western appealing type stuff in a way that sonic was really appealing to americans Mm -hmm. i felt like they were going for that with f-zero and it's interesting because you have all these sega arcade racing games in the 80s yeah um and a lot of them are really technically proficient and really interesting and then nintendo comes out with this one racing game that is like ahead of sega and I actually looked up this interview with uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi, uh, who made uh, stuff like, well, he's like the, he was the Yakuza guy for a long time, but he also made, importantly, Daytona. Mm. Um, and he had been working on all this arcade racing stuff before that. He was part of Yu, Yu Suzuki's team at Sega AM2. And he thought that F-Zero was like the best game ever. Like he was like, <laughs> F-Zero yeah. is what games should be so it's really funny to me that sega is crushing it at this genre nintendo makes like one forward-thinking game in the racing genre and negoshi is just like wow i'm i'm unbelievably impressed and now i'm going to go ahead and make daytona usa which to me is so much a better game than f-zero ever could be and also way more once we get to daytona now you're talking about actual 3d racing games which is to me far more interesting than kind of the simulated 2d thing it's fun as like a historical curio but it's not like it it doesn't last for me um this type of work i guess right right yeah well uh, i i would love to talk more about that stylistic stuff then too because like we said not all very, very little of that character is in the game itself but like we said in the manual okay first off the manual is just telling you like how to play the game but there's obviously introduction introductions to like the four characters you can race as and like fun mm-hmm. little specs on their cars and stuff and then you get towards the very back of it and there is a full eight page comic for yeah. f-zero there the introduction right. of the story is done in comic form uh and this is what I'm talking about when I say, like, to, to go back and play these games, the manuals contained critical information. It's not just, like, a thing that existed. The idea was that you definitely will sit down, read this manual first, and mm-hmm. then play the video game. It's like how board games work. You have to... It's, sure. It is expected yeah. of you to read the, the rule book before you play the board game to understand everything that's going on in it. It's so much... So interpretive, right? A board game is so interpretive in its design. Sometimes the, the designer has to sort of usher you along through its rule book. That's how video games before the GameCube era all were. And if you're returning to that stuff, you I do I think you have to engage with it on that level. And what's great is, at least with popular games, this kind of work is being like the this this historical preservation. You can just find the F Zero manual. It's like the easiest right. thing in the world to just track it down real quick. Most yeah, yeah. games like this are very easy to find these sort of print materials that go along with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't get that story, you miss out on all the goofy characterization of these uh, of all these racers and stuff and it, it lends itself an entirely different vibe to the entire game yeah it's funny because if you yeah you should see the comic because the comic it really kind of establishes what nintendo is going for with this game and that now this is a game made by nintendo where the protagonist is basically judge dread but like a happy one like a <laughs> smiley judge dread yeah. Uh, and then there's and then his opponents are Piccolo from <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, 
Doctor Who, uh, specifically the fourth Doctor, but kind of a horny fourth Doctor, uh-huh. um, and then just like a, a samurai. Yeah. Um, and the, that's that's it. Those are the characters. Um, and it's, yeah, it's way harder edged yeah. than like Mario. That's the thing about the Super Nintendo era that's really cool, is that it was a time when Nintendo was not as sure-footed in their identity, or at least that they kind of had a wider a wider net of yeah. like things they were into as far as aesthetics and as far as audience appeal. Um, because this is still Metroid is still an important franchise to Nintendo during this era as well. And Metroid is ve- also very Western inspired, very yeah. like alien, you know, right. Uh, and very like action dark, you know, it, it's, it's appealing to an audience that is, outside of what we now think of as a Nintendo audience. I right. feel like their approach these days is much cleaner, yeah. uh, much more straightforward. Um, it's probably better, but it's, it is it is fun to think about the Super Nintendo times where it felt like Nintendo was, was trying more weird stuff and they were more scared, I think, of losing yeah. their grip on video games. Right. Well, I mean, I think the Genesis uh, was sort of the closest competitor Nintendo ever cared about. And then by later generations, Nintendo stops focusing on the things other, the competitors are working. Like the PlayStation basically defeats the 64. And from that point forward, Nintendo is like, we're doing our own thing actually with it. Like we, we we just don't have to play your game and PlayStation can do its thing. And then eventually Microsoft can do its thing, but Nintendo's just going to go its own path. And so like the super Nintendo is genuinely the last time Nintendo like truly cared about the race. <laughs> and, yeah, and so that exactly. means they are competing against Sega that whole time. There is a Sega vibe to everything Nintendo has to do because it's their direct competitor. There is that, I, I feel like there's a little bit of that same vibe in the 64 versus PlayStation area where that you're, you're feeling them try to figure out what the heck Sony is even doing. But Sony is the one coming in as the crazy newcomer. So it's really Nintendo doing what it does. Sony upsetting the, you know, d- disrupting everything and Nintendo sort of half responds, but it's like, I don't know, we got 64-bit, shut up, we're fine. <laughs> and they just move on with their life, I don't know. Yeah, it, it is funny because I, I, I think F, F-Zero is emblematic of that, of Nintendo being like, all right, we're it's, it's no wonder that later on the GameCube, Sega makes an F-Zero game because F-Zero <laughs> feels like a Sega game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I, I just wish there was more to it. Um, I wish there was more to talk about in 2023 besides its historical context. It feels like there's just, yeah, that's just kind of it. Yeah, it's a cool racing game. You can, I mean, you can play it easily. If you have a switch, you can just, you can just load it up um, and play around in it uh, for a bit. And you know, it doesn't feel bad. No, I just much prefer most of the stuff around either slightly before or after it. Yeah. um, I, I do think it, it, for me, it does break into that oh it's a 2d racer i enjoy a tiny bit more the feel of it i think i i like the feel of it more than most other 2d racers especially on that technical aspect but like it loses like a million brownie points because of no multiplayer like literally the only reason i want to play these these older racing games is if i get to play them with somebody so it lacking that docks it like a serious amount of points uh to its to its like massive detriment let's have some fun real quick hunter uh, i'm curious so did you you did like w- one solid run of the three uh things and that's it like what what was your actual time with this game i know it was on uh what steam deck on your flight here basically is that right uh yeah i played so steam deck i played it um on my flight um which by the way 
getting the Steam Deck set up with emulators is very, very easy uh, these days. Uh, and if you have a Steam Deck, you should do it. It will take you like no time at yeah. all. And uh, yeah, very fast, very efficient. And uh, me likey. Um, <laughs> so yeah, F-Zero played it on the plane, played it more when I was in Arkansas and would just kind of sit around. I think I had like three or four sessions with it. Yeah. Um, and just kind of finished the game and was like, I don't really feel like playing that more. I probably spent just as much time playing it as I've spent just reading about it and sure. uh, doing research and stuff like that. What? Uh, yeah. What car were you using for your run? I only played as Captain Falcon. Oh, oh like, interesting. Okay. I had fun. no interest in the other cars. I was just <laughs> like, I'm just going to play as as the big blue because I just feel like the other cars don't look that good. I feel like they look kind of oh, dumb. Oh, I love the other cars. I so okay. Oh, wow. I I played as all four of them. I I gave it solid runs um, as all four. Uh, what's annoying is there really isn't enough of a difference between all of them. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, in my view, after playing all four of them, I only really see a reason to pick the yellow car or the pink car. So that's right. Doctor Stewart or Samurai Goro because basically all four cars exist on a scale, and the yellow car is the lightest. And the fastest acceleration, you get up to max speed like almost instantly in the yellow car, right. but it, it, it is super light. You That's the one where you get bounced around the most. Like you just pinball right. like nobody's business in that thing. And then the opposite side of that scale is the Fire Stingray Samurai Goro's pink car. It's got the heaviest weight, which means it has the best handling, and it has the highest top speed with the slowest acceleration. This is what makes it the obvious pick for speed running um it you know speed speed running in most racing games i think falls on this trend it's definitely true in mario kart where it's just like you need heavy and fast uh because heavy means you get pinballed a little bit less when, when cars bounce off of you it's not as big of a deal and if you're going for perfection the idea is as long as you can maintain the best possible top speed then you're golden I, as a player, usually go for like a faster acceleration kind of thing because I know I'm going to mess up. So it's like, I need the thing that gets me back <laughs> into it as fast right. as possible. But that was not true with the yellow car. Oh my God, the yellow car feels like trash to play. It is the worst <laughs> thing I've experienced. You just fly around all anything too. The little neutral cars, there, there's cars that are like little bombs too. They'll like flash. And if you bump into them, you get launched like really far. They really, really feel awful. So I do think to get good at this game, you should just play the pink one and get good at it. Although I guess then to to that point, it is like you can feather that dial a little bit with uh, blue and then green. So I think I actually had the best runs in the green car because it was sort of that best mix of like, well, I'm going to mess up, but it's got a, a good amount of weight and then slightly better uh, acceleration to sort of get you back into it. But um, there were just a couple things I, I was not good enough to do. There's one race too that we haven't talked about, Hunter, uh, that... Uh, is just a stupid, just the stupidest thing happens to you. Uh, White Land 2 in the Queen's Cup, it's like the fourth race in the Queen's Cup, has this one spot where there is a massive jump. And um, if you're just racing, you don't make the jump. You die. You, di right. you, you land in right. the middle and you instantly explode and that's it. And you can trial and error it uh, and you'll learn very little. And you'll do what I did, which is you try it and try and try it, and then you die and you lose the whole race and you're going to have to reset and then you'll have to play all those races to get back to that level and you still won't know what you've done wrong. And uh, luckily the manual eventually points you sort of in the right direction, but it does not tell you what to do. But the idea is you have to hold back. When you're flying through the air, if you hold down, it says you're you're lifting your nose up. So you can, you kind of sail a little bit further. 
There's nothing visually that indicates that. If you hold down while you're in the air, your car does not do anything. It doesn't turn on any sort of axis. You're just supposed right. to know it's going to land better, I guess. So even more to the point of you have to engage with the manual in these games. There's things the game will never, ever, ever tell you that are critical. This isn't like a Pokemon, like, oh, learn what EV levels are. You know what I mean? Like, learn the weird under the hood right, numbers. Right. This is a critical, you cannot beat the game without understanding this mechanic. And the game will never teach you the mechanic. And the manual only halfway teaches you the mechanic. That's how nebulous this stuff gets. Right. And the game only tests your knowledge of this <laughs> mechanic one time, one time in the entire playthrough on the ninth track you might play like the ninth track you get to suddenly it's like oh yeah by the way this thing uh, exists yeah that's that's essentially my problem with the game kind of crystallized to one yeah. thing is there's so little here that we spend a, a like like we spend some time on a mechanic that is only tested once yeah. in the entire game right and that's just i don't know it's it's a game that had a purpose yeah when the Super Nintendo launched. Right. And that purpose is fulfilled, and that's awesome. And it's important to remember that it did do that work. Yeah. And it's important to remember, I think, that it it did something for racing games that its sequels, that I like better, didn't do, you know? Right. It's, it's so little meat on the bones that without multiplayer, then there's nothing else to even strive for. That's what I think that's for me, that ends up being its death now, right? Is the idea that if at least I could play this with other people, it could be kind of this sparse thing, but then me and my friends try to get better than each other at it, and that's where you have a desire to actually perfect it. But without that, there's not really a reason for me to care to, like, play the pants off of it, right? There's no reason for me to just, like, go for mastery with this game because I'm just always only going to play it by myself against these computer racers that aren't that interesting or these maps that are, like, fine. But, yeah, I don't know. It's It, it just doesn't... It doesn't have enough meat on the bones, except for I do love the music. I love the music completely unabashedly it is legendary music. Big Blue is a killer song. Yep. Uh, all, yep. all of that stuff is very good. And uh, you should check it out, at least for that. Play it once through. Play it one time through so you hear all the music. Or I don't know, just literally just pull up the music on YouTube and listen to it. And hey, you experienced the best part of F-Zero and you're done already. It's true. It's definitely way more important for you to know like Mute City and Big Blue. Yeah. Uh, as tracks, uh, as as uh, sorry, music tracks uh, than it is as uh, racing tracks. <laughs> yeah. Way more important. Yeah, way more important. Nothing memorable about Mute City as a level. Just that its song is really good. Um, okay. Right. Well, do we get to sort of rank this thing then? It sounds like we're gonna. It sounds like uh, it, things are not gonna go especially well for F Zero today. I think it's fine. I I don't I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's gonna be hurt by it. I yeah. just think it's you know I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. The difference, uh, possibly in ranking, because this is this is, I think, a game that's sort of somewhere in the middle for us. Right. But I wonder how middle, yeah, it is for each of us. Um, do you want to go first? Because I, yeah. already, I, I know what tens place I want to. I think talk I know about, what tens place I'm looking at. I'm eyeing. I, I was looking at the fifties and being like, "Is this fifties?" And the thing I see in the fifties is a bunch of games that are in various ways maybe interesting but maybe also like incompetent in some respect and i feel like f0 is actually quite competently built it's just it just lacks a specific interest so for me that kind of puts it in actually maybe like the 40s maybe low 40s i'm thinking like a 45 to 55 kind of range wow 
We are in absolute agreement. Oh, cool. Okay. We are in absolute <laughs> agreement. So yeah, I, I, I put it in the 40s and specifically the low 40s, yeah. 45 to 50. Yep. Okay. Um, it's because my Mendoza line, it's above my Mendoza line. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to put yeah. it, right? It has a market yeah. quality. Although apparently we've been like for a long time misrepresenting Mendoza. Mendoza line is literally anything below the Mendoza line is like literal trash. That's the, that's oh. the, the actual Mendoza line is like would i don't know on this list is probably like halo 2 or something right like the last three games are the ones where it's like i think those are bad video games uh and everything above it is fine we use mendoza line more to mean like this is when i consider it like a good, good, a good game this is good this is fine this is this this works right i think it's i think of it as the averager yes. in that everything below it is slightly like it's like a it's like a C yeah, grade. Right. And then everything below it is like a C minus and then you get into D, D plus yeah. and D, yeah, and F. Um so that's how I that's how I use it. Sure. So I would give F zero, you know, F zero would pass the class. Yes. Is my point. Right. Like, right, right, right. So okay, we can start I mean if we're both saying you're saying low forties, I'm saying forty I I, I yeah, I, I said forty five to fifty five to give it kind of a range, but it's like the big thing I was looking at is I think this is more competent than Sonic Adventure and Akronox kingdom hearts and even grand theft auto 3 like i think it jumps ahead of all of those like for sure for me sure yeah yeah, yeah. so let's go ahead and read 40 to 50 so okay. I'll, I'll i'll go ahead and read it out for you so our number 40 game is inside in journey to silius mario kart 64 inscription mass effect 2 max Payne, mirror's edge mm -hmm. forza horizon 5 darkest dungeon Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, and then Grand Theft Auto 3 is 50. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting about this 10th place to me is that I absolutely do not think it should go above Mario Kart 64, nope. which is of a, a similar genre. Sure. So no higher than 42, I feel like, makes sense. Yep. I don't know if I even necessarily believe that it should go above Forza Horizon I 5, don't. but I think there's some debate Maybe. Um, to be had there. Do I like it better than Grand Theft Auto 3? Uh, uh, I, I do, <laughs> but not, not really, yeah. but I do for our show. Sure. Uh, in real life, I don't, but the character I play on OGA <laughs> does believe that F-Zero is better than Grand Theft Auto 3. Well, the character you play on OGA caters a little bit to, to Matt's whims as well, and I think only slightly, but I, Matt hates Grand Theft Auto 3, and if anything, if Matt had a personal list, Grand Theft Auto 3 would be, like, towards the bottom. So Grand Theft Auto 3 is already the thing that's, like, out of whack. Now, as a as a driving game, if I took out everything else from Grand Theft Auto 3 and it was just an open-world driving game, it could be all right. It's kind of, it could be kind of a fun <laughs> game every once in a while. I don't mind playing yeah. that for a little while, but I do think I have more fun engaging with the mechanics of F-Zero more. Like, I actually like the sort of technicality of F-Zero more than grand theft auto 3 and then the rest of grand theft auto 3 i either don't really like or actively hate so it has right. big negative points for me uh yeah so i'm not even gonna fight that battle i think f-zero goes above grand theft auto 3 the next game to talk about would be star wars shadows of the empire uh -huh. a game i do like better right. than f-zero but it's a compromised like it's sure. a, it is a game that that has uh, a lot more, it shows its age, I would say, even more than F-Zero. Our problem with F-Zero is there's not a lot here. Yeah. But it's not like what's there doesn't work. Right. Which is kind of how Shadows of the Empire yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> where there's whole levels that are sort of like, this is just kind of hanging out here. Yeah. We need somebody to sort of rebuild this yeah. in order for it to be playable today. Um, 
so i you know i'm also willing to be like all right yeah whatever they are both interesting as launch titles for their respective consoles right and and very experimental projects on those consoles and games where the history of the game is actually the most interesting and important part of them Mm -hmm. f-zero's legacy and and the stuff that happened around it is much more interesting than just like the actual playing of the game and and both games would suffer greatly if you just popped them in and played them (laughs) yeah Uh, and in this case shadows of the empire if you just try to pop it in and play it these days especially on pc it's nigh unplayable you have to fight against some like truly whack stuff at least for my weird it's It's pretty weird if you got like an n6 if you had an old n64 copy it wouldn't i don't think feel as bad i'm still i i'm dying to get a hold of like a proper n64 cartridge of shadows of the empire i would love if i ever got a copy of that uh I tell you, we would replay it for the show, and I would I would replay it cool. exclusively with the N sixty four control scheme in mind, and see how different I feel about it. Because I, my my gut feeling is it's like it's got to feel better on that. Even though like I tried to map things to a Steam Deck to play it, but the big caveat there is I was it it's it's a workaround. <laughs> I'm taking mm-hmm. PC controls and remapping them. It's not a game mapped for a controller, uh, and that that's a very specific feel and issue. Um, so, anyways. All that being said, for me, because Shadows of the Empire is like so much kind of nastier on the face of it, of just sitting down to play it, whereas F-Zero, like we said, it isn't. F-Zero is slightly less interesting historically, but is massively more playable. Yeah, I'm glad you granted me that, because I was going to say that the thing that Shadows of the Empire, I think, has is that F-Zero is important in the racing genre, Mm -hmm. um, and it's important for showing off, you know, the display mode, mode seven. Right. Uh, Shadows of the Empire, I feel like, has a lot more far-flung, like, Absolutely. inspiration potential for, like, other games and future future titles. Um, and also is showing off, you know, a lot. They're both technical oh, show-off ab- games. Absolutely, yeah. Um, one is just, like, maybe a little more catered to something people would actually want to play versus <laughs> Shadows of the Empire is, like, five different ideas at yeah. once. Um, one is a, a single entree and the other is a buffet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but let's give it to F-Zero. It, ma- it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, F-Zero versus Darkest Dungeon. Hmm. I actually have these two ranked neck and neck on yeah. my list. I gave the edge to F-Zero though. Yeah. Um, mostly because I feel like we had a more positive experience with F-Zero than Darkest Dungeon. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I... Darkest Dungeon seems like a cool game. I think Darkest Dungeon is a smarter game. Well, maybe, I don't know. At this time, though, that's tricky. That's a tricky thing to say. Yeah. I do think Darkest Dungeon is a very smart game, I guess is what I should say. I won't say smarter, but it's a very smart game. Uh, The game I'm playing in my head right now is I look ahead and, like, I'm not going to put F-Zero above Forza Horizon 5. I already know that. And definitely not above Mm -hmm. Mirror's Edge. I think Mirror's Edge is much more interesting, even if there are annoying parts of it. Um, although I don't know, we live in a post we played Neon White World <laughs> where we have permission to to trash uh, Mirror's Edge, but like I don't I don't see F Zero getting a whole lot wildly higher than this. Like I, I kind of feel like Darkest Dungeon is its breaking point. I wonder how you feel, Hunter. It's I, for for me, it feels like F Zero is above or below Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, um, I I gave the edge to F Zero just because I think that it has a historical importance that Darkest yep. Dungeon does not. Darkest right. Dungeon is more of a, a trendy game it's an interesting game yeah but it's not like we're seeing a bunch of people making games that are exactly like darkest dungeon darkest dungeon is following in the roguelike yep. 
you know, tradition that is has been very popular for the last like 10 years. Yeah, it's true. Whereas F-Zero was like, what's a way we can innovate outside of racing games that have already existed? And what, what's a way to improve yeah. on a known formula? Whereas I think Darkest Dungeon is a little more like, here is the Cthulhu Lovecraftian sure. take on, you know, the roguelike and, tradition. And the crunchy numbers take on the roguelike too right like the Fair, yeah, yeah. Is primarily that that battle system turn-based stuff uh here's something that you haven't mentioned hunter and but it was a point you made to me beforehand uh and if we're talking about the legacy of f-zero one of the other inspirations we have to talk about is the way f-zero feels and a particular John that really liked how F-Zero felt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what that meant to that John and what that John ended up doing with how that game felt to John. Yeah, so the the Johns of uh, the, the Doom Johns, John Romero and John Car Carmack, uh, they loved F-Zero and they loved how uh, the... They loved the movement of F-Zero and how, how fast it was. And they actually used it as inspiration for... Doom guy, yeah. which is a character you play as in Doom, <laughs> which if you ever played Doom, one of the things that's instantly recognizable about it is that Doom guy has probably the weirdest movement mm -hmm. I've ever seen in any game. He moves really fast and, and it feels good, but if you think about it for a second, it doesn't make sense because he also, he bobs a little bit mm -hmm. as he moves. The camera kind of bobs like a taking the right step, taking a left step. In space, it feels like he takes a step and he his legs <laughs> must be like 10 feet long because he kind of spiders through it. Yeah. And that's because they just wanted him to move faster because they loved F-Zero and F-Zero was fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And also, F-Zero has the thing in common of like, it's that fake 3D thing, which is sort of, mm -hmm. Doom is like 3D environments with like, like sprites that are basically 2D right. that you are facing. So they both kind of have the 3D trickery thing uh, in common. So I love the F-Zero Doom connection. I just love Doom way more as a, sure. as a game. Sure. But uh, I do think, so if we are talking those legacy points, I, I think that's what sort of, for me, makes F-Zero win out over Darkest Dungeon. I do think there's sort of a, there's a corner of the internet, it seems like, that's like Darkest Dungeon is like the biggest deal in the world. I mean, this there's a Darkest Dungeon 2 coming out, and I hear about it more often than I, I would think. People are very stoked for that game. So there's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. diehard audience for Darkest Dungeon, and that's awesome. But it doesn't seem like Darkest Dungeon is like making waves in the overall design space of games. And it's not entirely Darkest Dungeon's fault. There's so many more people making games now than there were in 1990. Uh, so sure. not totally a fair comparison. But yeah, I, I think... F-Zero just barely ekes it out above Darkest Dungeon. It is kind of weird to put F-Zero underneath Forza Horizon 5. It is. Um, I'm willing, if you have a case, and if you don't, if you think there's a, a rationale for F-Zero to go above Forza Horizon 5, and maybe even above, I, I said, like, I don't see it. I don't, it's not above Forza Horizon 5 or Mirror's Edge for me. But, like, I'm willing to hear arguments, and especially arguments in service of the list as a as a construct we do this often where i agree having these two racing games next to each other feels really ugly and i will look for a way to avoid that i just think f-zero might be like forza horizon 5 is an iterative experience a part of right you know this this series of games that every time the newest one's going to come out it's going to override 
the older ones, at least for someone like us, you mm-hmm. know, like we're, we're not super invested in the genre even. Um, and I think F zero feels more like a singular achievement, mm-hmm. especially considering that the sequels don't even really have, I mean, they're not even <laughs> doing the, the same the exact thing. same genre, you yeah. know, like, like once we get to fully 3d F zero, mechanically it is very different they both emphasize speed a lot and they want you to feel like you're going very very fast they take that and run with it though in f-zero yeah it's true they go it's really true um so i feel like i'd maybe rather give the nod to f-zero over forza Mm -hmm. um but i'm not sure i want to go any higher so maybe it doesn't really make a difference we have this problem regardless but in the future we might put a game in between f-zero and forza right five we could also right now make Mirror's Edge that game between it because I I lean liking Mirror's Edge more. But as I was saying, as I was speaking earlier, I remembered we're in the post neon white world, and Mirror's Edge has lost all the favor in my mind of needing to exist. So I'm actually happy to let F Zero go above the two games I said I didn't think it should go above because yeah. I I needed okay. to reconsider as I was talking about it. Going above Max Payne feels weirder. Going above Max Effect Mass Effect Two doesn't make any sense at all, even slightly. Um, but uh, above Mirror's Edge feels fine. Do we want to talk about Max Payne at all? Mm. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I feel like while Max Payne has some cringe in it, a la Grand Theft Auto Three, um, it's far more i there's just a lot more to talk about like yeah, i was sure. worried in doing f-zero that i was like i don't even know what we're gonna say yeah you know like right. about this game um and i had no concern yeah for max Payne. i was like there's so much to talk about there's so there's there's bad and there's good but like what's good i would rather uh emphasize with yeah. max Payne if at all possible basically okay um so yeah no i i think I think F-Zero is an interesting number 46 to yes. put it above Mirror's Edge. Makes sense to me. Mirror's Edge is just going to suffer now because yep. we have Neon White. And Neon White <laughs> feels like, I just feel like now I have this thing. If someone complains yeah. to me, like, <laughs> feel like y'all don't like Mirror's Edge enough, I can just be like, well, have you played Neon White? See, it sounds like you have some homework right. you need to do. Well, and, and, and for a genuine comparison, what would you say that with, with F-Zero? Like in this era, I, w- I don't have that. Like I don't have like, you should just play, like I wouldn't say, I wouldn't even say mm. you should just play F-Zero X. That's, it's like such a boldly different game that I wouldn't say that for me, F-Zero does have a place for me to play it. A reason for me to play it on, like as a Super Nintendo racer. I got a game for you. Okay, let's hear I it. I got a game for you you should play instead of F-Zero. A little game uh-huh. you may have heard of called Super Mario Kart don't uh, we have to we need to do it uh, it is more fun than f-zero i don't know i don't know if it's more fun enough for me is the problem i think i'm at this point i'd rather just be playing outrun it doesn't well sure sure the, i mean obvious. obviously i like outrun more than <laughs> yeah. both of those games uh-huh. but they're not doing the exact same no. thing super mario kart is the same yes the same style it's it's a mode 7 game does it feel as fast no it doesn't feel as fast but it's way more dynamic as far as the gameplay we've got a lot more racers we've got uh, multiplayer, you know, like yeah. there's it's goofy it's more, items. There's stuff there. Yeah. I, I I don't prefer the direction. I wish there was a game, and there probably is, and I just need to find it. I need a SNES racer or a Genesis racer that chose to go a different direction than what Mario Kart chose to go in. That's what I mm-hmm. that's what I'm after at the moment. It's like something that went ooh F zero. That is a direction. Let's go. Let's lean more in the opposite direction of. Uh, Super Mario Kart. I want to find that game. So mm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to continue that journey and that research to find another SNES racer that maybe I'll like. But but realistically, the point is I don't really love any of these. I just don't like this era 
a racing game. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of weird because uh, until we get fully 3D racing games, there's a lot of approximation that's yes, happening. Right. Uh, a lot of straining against, uh, you know, the constraints of the time. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I think I think ultimately, uh, it is really interesting to see what people were ma- managing. Uh, even though the technology wasn't there for them to make the games they really wanted to make. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was having that thought the other day about how much early games are not necessarily full expressions of the art the artist was after. They are yeah. like they all for, for two decades, all video games existed in the space of art within the constraints art within the technology available at the time and that doesn't feel a case anymore right like the reason indie games to me are so interesting these days are it's very rare that someone is inhibited by the tech they can make their idea whatever they want to make it it's just a matter of budget for for indie studios or whatever uh but at this but but in 19 in the 90s it was a matter of like Oh, I'd love a game to be this, but I don't know, man. I got I have two megabytes of data to work with. What do you want from me? Right. Yeah. I mean that it it is a really interesting story that I feel like you don't we we don't really have that anymore. Now mm-hmm. it feels a little more like every game sort of has an almost unlimited access to whatever it wants to be. Yeah. Um and that I don't know, it's weird. It's weird how that kind of the imagination kind of starts to flounder a bit right once people have access to an unlimited tool set yeah um or i mean if not unlimited then like far more you know all-encompassing than the tools that they had uh back in 1990 absolutely um so yeah i don't know interesting game fun to think about um i wish we had gotten a little more out of the actual playing of it yep um but it's definitely worthwhile to uh to have it on the list yeah and i'm glad you brought it matt yeah, I'm I'm glad I played it. I'm glad even if it wasn't like that much to play. I mean, A, it's great to get these games in there where uh, this is like our post holiday game. We didn't have more time. <laughs> like, this game yeah, got to true. exist in this slot because that, that is how some of our games need to exist on this list is like, hey, listen, we need a game that that you finish in about two hours and then you're maybe right. done with. Uh, so I loved it for that. And I had a great time with it for those two hours. I just have no desire to, to do another two hours with it. That's I need to I think I regret buying although i'll note this about f-zero as a snes game not overpriced on the market very much that's good it was it was not too expensive i could go trade it back in and get almost nothing for it and i, I think i'm gonna not hold on to f-zero i don't think i have a reason to to keep it around um but it didn't break the bank to to go find and get so there's at least that right i mean i can you know as far as the retro market goes that stuff is a minefield of stuff that's way overpriced and i think f-zero was like twelve dollars it's fine that's nice that's nothing that's nice <laughs> it's twelve dollars that's like a reasonable price twelve usd to have a really old game yep. you know yeah that's it's F-Zero like as old is as probably 120 dollars. that's the difference oh god it's like it's really probably, i don't know but i'm saying like that it's it's that's how ridiculous some of these actual like diehard the the fact that f-zero is kind of unimpressive is what makes it an, a nice easy grab because <laughs> the impressive games everybody gets and the market has gone through the roof on Ugh. well <laughs> that that is a shame um i'm excited that we're back you know i'm excited that holiday time is over and mm-hmm. it is now 
time to start afresh. I wish that it, it would have been so cool for this to actually not be an off-topic week. Yeah. Because let me tell you, Matt, I am really interested in going back to 2001. Oh, my God. Yes. That's all I've been thinking about for a month is I'm like, right. I missed 2001 game. We did Elden Ring. We're doing FC. We're, doing, we're bouncing all around. And I'm like, I'm, I'm currently very much missing my 2001 aesthetic, uh, which stinks, too. We, our, our holiday got so busy. Next week's mm -hmm. game is one I'm incredibly excited to talk about, except for the fact that we, you and I did not play it together while you were here, and nope. I felt like we needed that. Uh, but next week is Super Smash Brothers Melee, which yeah. is an absolute behemoth yeah. in the history of Hunter and <sighs> I. I that Next week's episode could be a two-and-a-half-hour-long episode. Who knows? I mean, I doubt it, but I'm just saying... There's there's history there with Hunter and I, and uh, I'm yeah. I'm very excited to talk about Melee. Yeah, it's a very important game in uh, just me and you knowing yep. each other, yep. really. Like, in a way, I'm going to... It's it's crazy that we're just going to record this episode about it and never talk about it again. That's kind of a weird <laughs> thing about yeah. our whole setup here, <laughs> Yeah, is that Melee will be even more important in 10 years, yeah. you know, to us, yes. you know, right. and, and it's, it's importance only grows every single day. Um, so yeah, we are big super smash brothers melee heads and we are going to talk about it yeah. next week. And then we're never going to talk about it again. Well, we'll see. It'll probably hang out in a part of the list that often gets <laughs> addressed. I suppose we'll see. I, I have I no know. idea where yeah. we're going to put it. I don't either. Because we could, we could really kind of play into us. Yeah. Or, you know, we can maybe be a little more honest. And I I got to tell you, Matt, I don't think we're really all about that honesty. <laughs> Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac. Oldgamersalmanac.